what we make of it. Shotgun wedding. Sometimes a first date requires paperwork. A Good Omens fic, written by Charlotte Madison and read by Literarian. Chapter 17 Tracy was baking, which as a rule meant two things. The apartment smelled heavenly, and the kitchen was a disaster. As per their long-standing, if never articulated, housemate charter, Raphael appeared faithfully in the kitchen when the ancient buzzer sounded, ready to tackle the precariously piled dishes and drifts of powdered sugar. Thanks, love, said Tracy, as she ducked to check the oven's contents. Whatever it was wasn't ready yet, so she turned the timer knob once more, and it made a little squawk of protest at being put back to work. Don't you start, she told it. Raphael looked around the kitchen and its contents as if for the first time, feeling more awake to their shared space than usual. He took in all the pink and red, all the scalloped filigree and etching, the chaotic jumbles of flowers on cloth and ceramics. He wondered which dishes and knickknacks were Tracy's, handed down within her family, and which she'd rescued from rummage sales and decided to make her own. She didn't distinguish between mismatched thrift store interlopers and personal heirlooms. There was no glass-paint hutch for the special dishes. They all became precious by virtue of being in the collection she took such good care of. As he rounded up measuring cups and beaters, Aziraphale felt a rush of gratitude, silently blessing Tracy's habit of bringing home wayward objects and treating them like family. Chocolate fudge or French vanilla or cherry? She asked him from the pantry. Yes, please, he replied. For what kind of dessert are we choosing a flavor? It's frosten. Is it just for us or for everyone? Doesn't matter, supposed to be your preference either way. Raphael briskly undid his cuffs and rolled up his sleeves. Vanilla, I think. Sounds goddamn divine, Tracy declared. She emerged from the closet with a little red plastic tub labelled Betty Crocker and checked the oven again. By the way, if you find every teacup you've hidden around this house, I'll give you a nickel. If I find them. Find and wash. You'll be leaving a trail of them everywhere, absent-minded professor style. They're sprouting like mushrooms. He chuckled and started a circuit of the kitchen, the sitting room, and then his bedroom. He did his share of keeping the kitchen clean for Tracy, but aside from that, he had never been the tidiest. He would need a few trips back to the kitchen to carry all the dishes. Downstairs too! Tracy called as she heard him reach the end of the hall. Raphael's phone rang while he poked around the bookshop on the ground floor, but he refused Crowley's VoIP call 
and sent a signal back. Mist cool. Today, 8.22 p.m. I'm on kitchen cleanup duty just now. I'll be available again shortly. Oh good, housebroken after all. Later, no hurry. Housebroken, he muttered with a huff of fond exasperation. But seeing as the bookstore yielded five of his teacups with matching brown rings inside, plus a teapot and two plates, he supposed he ought to think a little harder about his domestic habits. His own room had a disorderly clutter situation going on. Though without any plates, or other design ambitions to inspire it, it was probably less of a situation and more a plain old chaotic mess. Not that it would matter. It wasn't as if Crowley was going to spend any time here. And it wasn't as if Aziraphale was leaving. Nothing would change. Not much. Not really. He could allow himself a low-grade buzz of hope and excitement while they were on the phone or texting together. But every moment they weren't, he was actively and anxiously managing his expectations and stewing in the reality of his relationship history. Up and down. Up and down. At the moment, down. The altitude changes were frankly exhausting. How's this, the egg hunt? Tracy asked as he returned to the kitchen. Fruitful. He wrestled his quarry carefully onto the counter. Tracy was tutting over two round pans of bright pink fluffy cake cooling on the stovetop. Layers, then. There would be layers. He turned on the tap. So, tomorrow, said Tracy brightly. Tomorrow. Ducks all in a row? You excited or what? I think so, said Aziraphale, allowing the honest confusion he felt to creep into his tone. Good, she said. Smart boy. I don't know that it'll make all that much difference, not in day-to-day life, he said, hanging the clean cups on their hooks to clear out the rack. I might be out a few more evenings, that's all. He knew she was giving him a look, and he didn't know which one, and he refused to glance over to find out. But he did hear her sigh warmly as he sorted the cutlery back into the drawer. She pushed him away from the sink with one hip so she could fill the kettle for tea. Much as I hate to see your spinster aspirations crushed, I hope it'll be at least a little bit different for you. Oh, indubitably, a little bit different, he agreed hastily. That's inevitable. But there's no call to start rearranging furniture or showing my room. I'm not going anywhere. Oh, aren't you? You're stuck with me, I'm afraid. Me and my books. He got to work on the dishes in earnest with the soap and sponge. 
Well, that's not so bad, I suppose, she said. What are you getting up to this week? He asked her. Oh, book club, a client, some tarot readings. Mimosas with the girls on Sunday. But let's go back to the part where you get married tomorrow. He smiled and shook his head at the dishes. She drew closer and rubbed a hand up and down his back while he worked. Tracy had always been good about touch, Aziraphale thought appreciatively. She knew very well how easy it was for people to go months without human contact. She was forever brushing and patting and smoothing and hugging her friends, finding small excuses over chores and shopkeeping and endless cups of tea. How are you doing with it? she asked. It's, um, I, I really don't know. Emotions come not single spice, I suppose. Yeah, I feel ya. You got some worries? Not so much worries, more hoping to keep myself in check, he said. Hoping I can make prudent decisions, whatever happens. <laughs> prudent, she laughed. How did prudent come into the equation? He looked up and caught their reflection in the small window over the sink. As in, you know, there's the first rush of foolish madness, and I suppose that's where we are now, but after... He's pretty far gone over you, babe. I... and... well, yes, and... Uh... And you are too. Aziraphale blushed and redoubled his silverware scrubbing. He's a sod, that one. Cheek bounds for days. Quite. I'm quite right. Tracy snuck the dripping teapot out of the drying rack and returned to the stove. Cause I'm right. He smells good too. And a hell of a chuckus. You could bounce a quarter of that action. And you should. Madam, really? And you want to be prudent in the face of... She winked and licked her lips a bit. Hmm, more that. But it's nuts, Aziraphale sighed. We barely know each other, and despite doing things a bit backwards, we can't really be certain what's what, or, or if we're well suited for a while. Until all the feelings calm down. You understand. So I just hope we... that we can all keep our heads till then. And that's your priority? Keeping your head? They looked at each other for a moment along the counter, and she crossed her arms and pursed her lips. Sarah, are you gonna do that thing where you're extra careful not to get too happy now, just in case you get less happy later? Aziraphale turned to the sink again with a wry smile and started on one of the more delicate teacups. How well you know me. All I'm saying is your strategy's flawed. You can't save up emotions till you want them. I beg to differ, thought Aziraphale. 
After years of teaching, he knew exactly how to freeze, can, smoke and salt emotions to preserve them for later use. Not all of them, and not all the time, granted, but standing in front of a classroom full of teenagers would be unmanageable without some practice deferring feelings. Although, now that he considered it, happiness might be the exception. It didn't keep so well. It was harder to reconstitute later. It lost its texture and taste. Need any help with the cakes? he asked. Nah, they gotta cool a while, and I'm not done with you. He fished in the water for the bowls and saucers at the bottom. I promise you, Tracy, I will be perfectly fine. Her firm hand found his shoulder. I don't want you to be fine, babe, she said softly. You're always fine. You'll always be fine. But whether this thing is short or long, whether it's great or a disaster, I want you to be there for it, okay? Especially this first part, the scary, out-of-control, fun, crazy, fallen-in-love part. Can you do that for me? She squeezed. Raphael inhaled slowly and then sighed. He rinsed the suds off a gold-edged dish painted with forget-me-nots. I'll certainly give it my best shot, he said but he wasn't particularly hopeful that he'd suddenly transformed from a person he had been for nearly fifty years into someone capable of feeling unreservedly, unselfconsciously happy. Not for more than a moment at a time, anyway. He knew vaguely that Tracy was right, that he shouldn't feel like this tonight, but he wasn't sure how else to feel. He was doing Christmas Eve all wrong, but he couldn't remember how excitement went exactly. The old kettle rumbled and began its familiar hoarse whistle. Tracy lifted it away from the flame with one hand and flipped the element off with the other, a gesture practiced thousands of times. I think you're scared something bad will happen if you don't worry the exact right amount all the time, she said as she poured into the little teapot. I've had lots of clients like that, you know? It's funny, you can get them exactly where they've dreamed of being their entire lives, right in the middle of the big fantasy they planned out and saved up for, but they can't even experience it on account they're being so tied up. Aziraphel shot her a sidelong glance as he dried his hands. Well, yeah, I mean, sometimes they're also actually tied up, she acknowledged with a mischievous tilt of her chin. But you know what I mean. They keep their joy cooked like it's an expensive bottle of wine and they're afraid to tab it. Scared to use it all up in one go, like they'll never have any more. Tracy covered the teapot with a knitted cosy and cupped it in her hands. Aziraphale watched her dainty fingers, her elegant, manicured nails, transfixed. Thin is, Aziraphale, she said, 
you will always have more. He looked at the floor, feeling a little weak. There's a thought, he murmured. He suddenly couldn't remember whether he was supposed to take his new ring off to wash dishes. He hadn't. He'd been enjoying wearing it at home, at night, getting used to its press and presence. And now it had trapped a trace of cooling moisture against his skin. He fiddled with it. I'm telling you, your joy is not a limited supply, Tracy said. If you need more later, I'll promise it'll be there. You don't have to conserve it, he nodded slowly. And keeping a lid on it now will not stop the pain if it comes later. When it comes later, I mean, it gets all of us in the end, right? So, babe, look here. She waited for him to meet her eyes and then pinned him with a fiercely compassionate expression. Uncork that shit, Tracy told him. You hear on me? Uncork it, he echoed obediently. Unfucking cork it, Aziraphale, she concluded in a sweet, soft, unflinching tone. He nearly blurted, yes, miss, because she sounded so very much like a woman who knew what to do with the business end of a riding crop. As he stood under the warm spotlight of her gentle scolding, her compelling care, he thought of his mother. When Tracy used his full name, it sounded tender. But when she said it, Years ago, his back had always stiffened, his head had always bowed in preparation for her detached and disapproving tone. He was the youngest of several children, and she gave him her full attention only when he needed correction or rebuke. Her notice was usually a prelude to punishment. So he spent his childhood learning not to be noticed, learning not to need anything. He seldom thought of her now. He never heard from her. So perhaps he had succeeded there. At that moment, Aziraphale realized, leaning against the counter in Tracy's cozy little kitchen, pressing a horizontal line of powdered sugar into his trousers, that never once had it occurred to him to tell his family he was getting married. As that revelation settled in his mind, as he smelled the steeping cinnamon rooibos, as he surveyed the soft pebbled shine of the cooling cakes, he knew with certainty that there was no need. They hadn't asked after him in many years. They were unlikely to care, and even if they did, their opinion could not possibly matter any more, good or bad. He didn't know them. He didn't miss them. He didn't need her. He had his Tracy. And his Tracy had kind eyes, and she remembered to touch him sometimes, and she knew when not to, and she'd baked him a cake with layers, and she was pouring a little bourbon and honey into their teacups. 
Now, she said, let's celebrate, yeah? Lifting a crumpled square of tinfoil, she revealed a ramekin of pink cake, apparently baked before the layers. Aziraphale smiled weakly. He felt overwhelmed by the grace of her presence. He should have been paying better attention. He should have noticed it every day. I'm learning quite a lot this week, you know, he told her. I'll figure out, she said. Here, help me test draft the stuff. She smeared some of the store-bought frosting onto the little cake, zested an orange over it with a few quick turns of her wrist, and then pressed in four of the homemade candied pecans she always kept in a mason jar on top of the fridge. This is for tonight? asked Aziraphale. Yep, for us. Get some forks. She moved the bourbon-supplemented tea service to the little kitchen table they had shared for a dozen years. She sliced a lemon wedge for each of them and waved him over. Sit down, get comfy, and let's talk about what you want to borrow from my toy collection. Aziraphale dropped the forks on the table in surprise and turned bright red. Tracy! I got some recommendations. Now I have to admit I've been giving it a good deal of thought. Madam! What? You gotta lock that shit down, Zira. Bring your A-game. Tracy relished any chance to wind him up. She smiled as innocently as if she were discussing the weather and passed him a boozy teacup with lemon. Bring my... how? We're only going on our first real date, Aziraphale protested, in part because he was genuinely sheepish, but mostly because he knew his role in their little household. She winked, he blushed, they bantered and bickered, and this was how they loved each other. Yeah, but a first date with a dreamboat like that. You go prepared. Well, I resent the, the, the insinuation that I would bring any less than my so-called A-game. You are by no means... Look, tonight's your bachelor party, and here you are drinking with a bona fide sex worker, which is exactly what you should be doing, right? So, personal tutorial from me to you. My wedding present. She passed the cake. Far be it from me to try to... My present to both of you, by the way. Tell them I said so. Because congratulations on those legs. They deserve special treatment. Tracy, that is my fiancé you're objectifying. Exactly. And with a little hard work and practice, you can objectify him too. Aziraphale raised a forkful of pre-wedding cake to his lips and smiled, knowing he was in very good hands.